Greetings, listeners. Chris here. We were supposed to review the episode Family Style this week, but NBC unexpectedly pushed the episode back to next week, so the final six episodes of the season can air back-to-back with no interruptions. So we'll have to wait another week to catch up with Ben in the kitchen, but don't fret, because that gives us a chance to bring you this the premiere episode of our Patreon bonus show, Oh Boy. Oh Boy is a bonus show where I interview Quantum Leap fans about their Quantum Leap fandom. And for the first show, I decided to interview Quantum Leap podcast creator, Albert Burge, about the fandom journey that inspired him to launch this very show. Some context before we get started. Albie and I did this interview about a year ago, long before the reboot was announced, so that's why we don't mention it. Also, the podcast was in a much more relaxed phase at that point, which Albie and I discuss, which now sounds weird since the show is again as vigorous as ever with interviews and extra content. It's really funny how things have come back around. As I've already mentioned, this and other episodes of Oh Boy are available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast to learn more about our membership and its perks, including how you can get interviewed for your very own episode of Oh Boy. It's our patrons who make the Quantum Leap podcast and bonus shows like this possible. With special thanks to our producers, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. Guys, we couldn't do it without you. One final note. We don't censor Patreon content, and this episode has some profanity, so don't be thrown by the occasional F-bomb. And I'd like to personally say that this is one of my favorite things that I've ever done for the Quantum Leap podcast. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. On with the show. Have you seen my RAM? It looks like uh, Ziggy. No. It's like rainbow LED RAM. It's pretty cool. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Random access memory sticks that make computers work. They light up. It's like a psychedelic 70 speaker setup. Yeah, RGB, they call it, because you can make it any color in the spectrum. But I just have it set on, like, rotating rainbows, so it looks more like uh, the computers at Project Quantum Leap. Rotating rainbows, isn't that a LeVar Burton show? <laughs> I know it was uh, my experimental acid rock band in college. But it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't go well. We could do this all night. Yeah. Uh, you ready to get this thing going or what? That's kind of my way of uh, doing interviews myself is just talking and cutting out everything <laughs> that uh, society says is bad now. There we go. I am going to get going. Hold your breath because um, you're in for a ride. All of my hugs, all of my kisses. Welcome to the premiere episode of Oh Boy, our Patreon-exclusive show where we talk to Quantum Leap fans about their Quantum Leap fandom. And for our very first show, I'm excited and honored to be speaking to the creator of the Quantum Leap podcast and my good friend, Albert Burge. Albie, welcome to Oh Boy. Oh Boy. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. If uh, people haven't heard enough of me talking about my love for Quantum Leap in those first 80 hours or so of the podcast, there's this bonus content. 
I feel like there could be, you know, a whole new generation of listeners that uh, don't even Maybe. know. Like Matt and Allison and I um, reference you quite a bit on almost every show. And I, I got to think there are some people saying, Albie, who's Albie? And <laughs> if you're one yeah. of those people out there listening, one of the 13 to 25 people who might be listening to this, you're about to find out. So people that aren't completists, that don't go back and start from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. When they see that you had, you know, like, oh, this runtime is five and a half hours. Well, skipping that one. <laughs> our, our longest is, I think, seven and a half. And we're working on making that nine. It's so funny, Albie, because I found the Quantum Leap podcast when I was unemployed. I had just been laid off and I had a lot of long days. And um, in between just like sending out resume after resume after resume, I took to taking long walks. And I said, all right, I know about this podcast stuff because I've been listening to Radiolab for, uh, mm. you know, four or five years now while I do yard work. There's got to be some kind of quantum leap thing that I can listen to. And lo and behold, I found your podcast. And then I was looking at them and I'm just like, oh, my God, two hours. <laughs> oh, my God, two and a half hours. And then, like, I had finally caught up. You know, mm -hmm. just like taking long walks, walking, yeah. then Lily. Lily was alive. Wow, and Lily. then you put out a podcast. I believe it was four and a half hours. And yeah. I looked at my at my iPod, because it was iPods back then, not even phones. And I said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then I played it and I listened to it anyway. So we had a lot of those reactions and um, I didn't quite understand understand it because i was like if you like something here's more of it you know and it was like we get you know we always send out like three or four uh email requests per episode of guests that we were interested in talking to and sometimes none of them would get back to us and sometimes all of them would and i'm not going to turn anybody down yeah yeah and i mean you guys excelled at that but i feel like we're jumping the gun a little bit so i want to set the stage here and just in case people aren't familiar with you can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background and, you know, what you do in real life and just get a sense of Albert Burge, the man, the legend. I mean, I know you backwards and forwards. I know you very well, but I think everybody should know you. So, okay. Uh, how long is this podcast? Because I can talk about me for four hours or 30 minutes. So <laughs> I need I need to know which version. Give the cliffs, the Cliff Notes version of, um, you know, a little bit about your background, um, what it is you do and, you know. All right. Uh, I grew up in uh, Farmingdale, New Jersey until I was nine. Uh, and then I moved to F Cape Coral, Florida, which is where I am now, Southwest Florida, the Gulf Coast. It's really beautiful here. It's just too hot to go outside. Did you say um, the Gulf Coast or the Gulf Coast? Gulf Coast. They play golf here too. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I still have a New Jersey accent I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, I had a happy childhood. My parents were amazing, are amazing. My mom's still around. Uh, can't complain. I was always uh, into sci-fi stuff uh, i was a basic nerd watched my first episode of star trek at eight years old and i haven't looked back and uh like you while i was working and needing something to listen to i uh, looked for a quantum leap podcast and this is when i was cooking uh, i was a cook for 23 years now i'm a professional audio and video editor if anybody needs anybody uh reductivearts.com check me out and uh I was looking for a Quantum Leap podcast, and I was going through, and it's, you know, Apple iTunes at the time, and it's like, there are, you know, 300,000 podcasts, and not one of them was Quantum Leap. Hmm. So I was like, well, and I had already, like, experimented with podcasting. My first podcast was 
a podcast for uh, local pro wrestling that I was involved in because I'm, oh yeah, I'm a part-time pro wrestling referee. And it was a podcast about a local independent wrestling company that literally we'd have like 30 people max at our shows. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe two people listen to the podcast <laughs> and most of them were uh, the, the wrestlers themselves. So it wasn't a great idea. But we did get more more listeners on our feed for that than we did at the shows. So I guess wrestling in the topic, people would listen. But I learned how to, you know, work the equipment, do the editing. I started with Audacity, and now, of course, I'm using Adobe Audition because uh, I get paid to do it now. Because you're a big professional editor now. Yeah, you don't have to rely on the freeware like we still do. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a business expense if I ever learned how to do my taxes right. But uh, so that that didn't last too long, but I got to know how to interview and put things together. And then uh, my wife at the time, Heather, and I started a podcast because we wanted to reach a broader audience than just the 13 people. And uh, so we did um, the Terra Nova podcast, which was a new sci-fi show coming out from uh, writers, producers of Star Trek. So I was like, yeah, that might be fun. And that just took right off, and it sounded like crap because it, I was still learning my craft. You know, I hadn't put in my ten thousand hours yet, and um, all the podcasts that I had listened to, I had just like emailed them when I had questions about how do I do this, how do I do this, and luckily all of them were just great people and would get back to me. Uh, one in particular, uh, Daryl Darnell from the Fringe podcast, uh, helped me out by listening to my stuff and telling me what to do and what tools to get, and he was really a great guy. I wouldn't be what I'm doing today without him. So we had the Terra Nova podcast and to my surprise, like the community just built up, built up. And, uh, like so many people were just wanting to get involved and you know how I am. If you want to help with the podcast, I'm like, yes, please come aboard. Right. You know? Right. So we did that. And of course the show got canceled after one season. So after that is about when I was cooking, looking for more, uh, podcasts. And I was like, there's gotta be a quantum leap one. That'd be great to listen to, you know, however many episodes of Quantum Leap there was, but there was none. So one must assume that you were a fan of Quantum Leap. Loved the show. So why don't we start at the beginning then? What is your first memory of Quantum Leap? How did you discover the show? Uh, I, let's see, what when did it premiere? 89? I think 89, yeah. So I was 13 or 14. And back then we had not too many channels and it was like new leaping through time. And I heard that and probably one of the NBC promos and I was like, yes, time travel. <laughs> okay. So I tuned in and I, I believe I tuned in right at the beginning and uh, watched the whole thing through. And this is when you had to watch the TV show when it was on or you didn't see it. And uh, I just fell in love with the show right away because it wasn't dumbed down for the fans and uh, I just really appreciated it. And then when it got into like knowing the characters of Sam Beckett and, and Al Calavici and, and just watching uh, his different adventures, uh, the writing is what really drew me in because it was about the characters. And I really, really fell in love with the characters. And when Sam would get emotional or Al would get emotional, I would get emotional. And, you know, I'm here, a teenage boy sitting here crying, watching these stories. And I'm like, you know, I just fell in love. From then on, I just always loved it and watched it. Right up into the last episode, and when I found out he never made it home, I was one of those guys that was very upset and mad about it because I didn't understand it. Now, later in life, like we talked about in the last episode we recorded of the Quantum Leap podcast, you know, I appreciate it more and think it's brilliant, but back then I wasn't developed enough to appreciate it. But uh, I've always been a fan, and I always wanted to know anything about him. 
you know, I had the comic books here and there and different things. I, I had some of the novels. I hadn't had yours until after I met you to interview. I, how did I meet you? you? You were one of those people that wanted to help out or did I just interview you first or what? how did we do that? No, no. How, how we met was, um, yeah, that, that's why I wanted to maybe save some of the podcast stuff because it's all to do okay. with the podcast yeah. and um, all to do with that philosophy that you mentioned earlier about if somebody wants to help, you say, yeah, sure, come on, come on in. Um, the show was always such a big tent that um, you let a lot of people have um, a lot of uh, say, and I was one of them. So Yeah. Well, as you know, uh, on this show, and, and when the shows were three and a half and, and four and a half hours long and, you know, go fuck yourself length, <laughs> I was, you know, you know, a four-hour show would take 16 to 30 hours to edit, probably, not not to mention recording it, setting up different interviews and doing all that. So you're talking a full-time job that I was doing for every show, basically. So any help I could get from anybody, I was taking it. And there was a lot of great people that helped, including yourself. Yeah, we'll talk about the logistics of that because yeah. I'm really curious. Okay. I'm really okay. curious about that. Sure. So you had um, said that um, you started reading the comics here and there, the novels here and there. Was the ephemera of the show anything that you sought out? Like, like, how big were you into like the fan community and the stuff that went beyond what you were able to see on TV? It was different back then because there wasn't really internet. So like you couldn't just wish for something, type in a couple strokes on the keyboard, give them your card and it would arrive in a few days, you know? So mm -hmm. it was more like if I was at a comic book shop and I was going through the dollar bin or something and I saw a quantum leak comic, I would you know grab it. Or if I was at a thrift store or a bookstore, and I saw a Quantum Leap novel, I would grab it. But it, it was there was no place that I could go. I mean, we had a non-sports and a sports trading card store in town and a comic book store, but I never saw Quantum Leap stuff there. When did you, um, if you can even recall, I mean, did you know about the book series or was finding Not the book all. series like a happy surprise? I knew nothing. I want to say at this time, I I knew there was fanzines, but you had to kind of like write a letter or something to get them, and they would send them to you like in the mail, and it was just way too complicated. I knew nothing. You know, if I saw it, I got it, but I didn't know where to get it, if that made sense. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and there was no way to check back then. It's it, it's it's hard to understand how we survived us the first <laughs> half of our lives. Because now, if you're sitting at dinner with somebody, and you go, "Who played that thing in that one movie?" You know, in 20 seconds, you knew. Otherwise, in the old days, you'd have to go to the library if you really wanted to know and tell somebody three days later. Yeah, and what I love about when you look at the tie-in books mm -hmm. um, for any series, um, because everything was before the internet, they'll always mm -hmm. give you a list in the back. Yeah, of the checklist. other ones with a little order form. Yeah. You know, and you could tear it out of the back and mail it in. Mm -hmm. I've done those. That's an artifact of pre-internet days. Yeah. I really liked the TNG books uh, when I was uh, younger. I still do, but, I, you know, when do I have time? I'm always working. But, uh, but yeah, those TNG books got me into books. And um, for me, like music, books, uh, podcasts, anything, even comic books, it's always like with a TV or movie tie-in. Because that's my main form of consumption of my stories is TV and movies. So like, well, you know, I, lo I love ALF comics, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I've I've now put that on my list. When I look for Quantum Leap comics, <laughs> I look for ALF comics too, just so I can send them to you. I have almost all of them and most of them are from you. You even got me the rare ones. Well, that one time I found it was just a, a mother load. I went to a Savers yeah. here on Long Island and a Savers, if people don't know, is kind of like the end of the goodwill. I guess you give stuff to goodwill. 
And then they have these savers stores. They're called savers where they resell, repackage and resell. And somebody Mm. must have donated an entire collection of ALF comic books because I just kept finding them in bags there. They just put new ones out. As I took them down, I'd go back like three days Mm -hmm. later and all new ones would be up. And I said, Albie's going to love me. Uh, Yeah, I really appreciate (laughs) them because I actually read them. You know, I go through and I read them and I enjoy them. And I don't know why because they're not well written and they're cheesy and it's the same jokes, but it's like the ones that weren't even good enough to make it into the TV show. (laughs) Were there any jokes that weren't good enough to make it into the TV show? (laughs) Read the comics. (laughs) (laughs) But I enjoy it. It's like my little relaxing time. Like, oh, what's Alf up to now? You know, or something silly like that. Of course, Star Trek comics. I I think my first comic book was the comic book version of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Wow. And I had just seen the movie in the movie theater. So, like, I was able to, and of course, all the Star Trek, like when you read Star Trek books or Quantum Leap books, all the voices are in your head. So when you're reading it, you're hearing the actors' voices. So I, like, really fell in love with those mediums at that time. Were you ever able to find the soundtrack and get into that? Because I know you're a big music guy. Yeah. Um, and this was uh, in the early days of eBay that, uh, when I started typing in Quantum Leap. That was one of the things I found was the Quantum Leap soundtrack. Cool. Do you have a favorite track on the soundtrack? Or? Ooh, Somewhere in the Night, maybe? You know, that's a good song. It's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, just Scott Bakula singing. Now I just ask my uh, Echo Dot play songs by Scott Bakula, and you can she do goes that? crazy for a few hours. Yeah, sure. And she goes crazy for a few hours, because he did a lot of Broadway back in the day and different things. He, uh, they don't play the commercial where he's selling shampoo or something yet. Well, you know, maybe they'll get around to it. They just got probably got to get the rights. Yeah. But he's got a great voice and he's a great uh, singer, so. Yeah, I have to admit that the Quantum Leap soundtrack is the only thing that got me into Broadway Mm. in a very small sense. We were discussing this um, off mic before the show, how you're more of a Broadway guy, I'm more of an opera guy, and, you know, never the twain shall meet. But the suite from Man of La Mancha, from Catch a Falling Star, I just absolutely fell in love with it to the point where I went to see Man of La Mancha. Yeah. Well, that's right up there for me on that soundtrack. As you know, I I sang that on one of the shows and (laughs) I still sing that for my daughter. She requests that sometimes. (laughs) And uh, anytime it comes up with somebody that I know, I I usually end up singing it badly like I do. And uh, yeah, maybe that got me into Broadway. I don't know. I I I don't know. I'm very confused about myself because I love Broadway and musicals, but I also love women, boobs, and so I don't know where where I lie in there, but I hear it's a spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an outmoded stereotype. Maybe. Maybe those old categories aren't as right as they once were. As an opera goer, I face that that sort of uh, categorization too. (laughs) Well, what I'll say is I appreciate the ladies, um, but I also appreciate musicals. And for me, it's another form of storytelling because if you listen to, you know, like a well-made, uh, musical soundtrack, you can tell the whole story from it. So it's almost like a, uh, radio play, but with music and, you know, like Man of La Mancha. Yeah, that's a great one. When that episode came around, everybody in my life hated me because I think I was still working at the restaurant. So that's all I played for the week on the, <laughs> the boombox radio was the, the soundtrack to Man of La Mancha. And I would sing and dance to it. Which which restaurant were you at again? Uh, I worked for 23 years at Perkins Family Perkins, Restaurant. Perkins, that's right. You said there was liver yes. on the menu, right? 
Oh, yeah. I could see you in the back grilling liver and singing Manila <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was me. And singing and dancing, you know? And I would get everybody else in on it. And, you know, those who hated me hated me, but the ones that loved me learned the words and they would sing the other parts. And they're like, what's taking so long on the country fried steak? I'd be like, we're doing our number. We'll be done in a second. Get your own gravy. Oh, that's so, amazing. That was my life. I loved the job, but it paid nothing. I think I've made $1,200 a month on a good month. Wow. And as an adult, I couldn't live on that anymore. And I had a kid on the way, so I was like, I got to figure something else out. So you got into the ever lucrative world of podcasting. Good work, sir. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, podcasting, uh, well, my first 10,000 hours where I actually learned my craft, like I talked about earlier, I made no money, of course. You know, podcasting, really, it just costs money and time, if anything. But I learned how to do it. And then uh, at that point, when I was looking for a different career and working at home, because my wife at the time had just uh, started working at home as a virtual assistant. So I knew it was possible to make money at home. And uh, I worked on looking for it. And I I actually was able to interview with, I think, two different companies. And I got hired by both of them. So that was really good. One was the podfly.net is who I'm still with uh, for my day job. And then uh, Pro Podcast Solutions was my first, first job. I think I worked for him first. And that was Daryl Darnell, like I was telling you. He had known me from um, the days of uh, me learning podcasting and listening to my stuff and helping me out. And uh, in between those two things, uh, I had gotten a job as a professional podcaster with, uh, with a company named TV Talk. They had an app and a website, and people would go there and listen to their entertainment podcasts. So I would get $50 for every episode I recorded. So I'd basically just watch an episode of, say, How I Met Your Mother or The Vampire Diaries, and me and uh, my wife would both talk about it, and she would make $50. I would make $50 for each one. Wow. Yeah, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but I was like, when everybody else called off because they were too busy or something, I would just fill in for them. So I was doing maybe three or four shows a night. So it was really working out well until the uh, founder of the company ran out of money. Right, because everybody said, hey, I can do four shows and make 200 bucks. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was killing it. If you could turn them around fast enough, sure. Why not? Yeah, they just uh, weren't making the money on the advertising, so their their like business plan didn't work out. But it was a great year. So Daryl Darnell was involved in that as well, and he still got a bunch of podcasts out. He does like fringe podcasts and uh, lost podcasts and stuff. But uh, but yeah, so that was my first thing is I can make money at home. Right. And so after that is when I started looking for professional editing jobs, and I've been doing that since 2015, I think. Maybe 14. I'm going to hire you to edit uh, the QLP again because it's just taken such a, it's such a time suck editing. It is. It's, it takes so long. But um, I'm glad that we're back here because we circled right back around to where I wanted to get to when we started talking about the podcast. So, so you said that you were looking for Quantum Leap stuff. You were in the kitchen. Yeah. You had already dipped your feet in the water with Terra Nova podcast and I guess now with this the TV Talk podcast or TV Time. Yeah. I think I think TV Talk I got actually after I started Quantum Leap podcast because I used one of our Quantum Leap podcast episodes in, as an example of what I can do because I, uh, okay. I also was applying for an editor for them at the time, but I didn't get the editor job, but I got the hosting job. So I, I guess they liked me. I didn't have any proof of editing really yet, you know, under my belt. So tell me about the process of putting the first, you know, the the initial stages of the Quantum Leap podcast together because 
it seems to me like in those early days, you were very ambitious right out of the gate. Oh my goodness. You had such, yeah. a, such a format and everything was so like laid out and the production was so slick compared to what me, Matt and Allison do, which is just to get on mic and dick mm -hmm. around for an hour. I mean, you guys put on like a, like an actual show. Yeah. So talk to me about the genesis. Like, how did you develop the format? Well, the goal was to sound like we're a serious media NPR show about Quantum Leap. And we had no reason that we couldn't do it because technically a microphone and editing is all you really need, you know, hmm. and the rest is just hard work you put into it. I had uh, been a big fan of a Firefly podcast called The Signal. And they had a similar mode going on, and that was my favorite podcast at that time. And uh, they were very much like that, uh, you know, interviews, stories, people could submit pieces, they'd break down every episode, and there's only 13 episodes of Firefly, but this show went on for three years, and it was always a couple hours long each week. Um, so that was a big influence. So I thought if I could take what I love from all the different podcasts I'd listen to, and plus NPR, because I was, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, listen to NPR and get stuck in the driveway until the story's over kind of mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And I just said, well, that's what I want to do. So I tried as hard as I could to try to do that. And I, I was, I didn't know too much about podcasting. Like I, I, I understood it, but I didn't know, I didn't know the limitations of just being a guy in a room in a house in Cape Coral, Florida. So I would just like send emails, uh, contact people on Facebook and say like, I'm doing a Quantum Leap podcast. Can can I talk to you about your story about what you did on Quantum Leap? And I, I just figured, you know, why not ask them? And then people would say yes. And then after we got so many interviews under our belt, it was just like a thing like, you know, we've interviewed these 10 people. Would you like to be on the next show? And they'd be sure, you know. Right, so right. It, And I think my first interview was with, I want to say Rita Smith. If if the name's wrong, you know, fix it in post. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. Like, I'm going to remember. Go ahead. Did we even find the Genesis show? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We're only missing uh, the Great Spontini. So if anybody out there has the Great Spontini, send it to me or Chris. Yeah. Uh, we need it because uh, as as good as a podcaster, I like to think I am. I'm horrible at running a server, as you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is the nightmare side of the, the podcast <laughs> is, is the server. Should we get into that? Oh, my goodness gracious. We, we can. But uh, Rita Smith was the one that was on the show about domestic abuse, I think. I remember that. And that's when it first struck me, uh, you know, how ambitious you guys were getting because not only did you talk about the episodes, um, you made a concerted effort to pull whatever topic or issue they um, were highlighting that episode and then expand on it with not just the actors that were in the show, but experts that could speak to those subjects. And that's what I meant by sort of like the ambition. How much planning like that went into each episode before you decided to do it? Like, did you sit down and say, okay, this episode is obviously has, you know, this steal from mission log. The meanings, morals, messages of this episode are one, two, three. Mm -hmm. Did you then make a list of experts you might want to find on a certain topic or – was it just more of a just a wing in it kind of thing? Like, how did that all come together? Well, uh, like you, uh, I'll steal from uh, Mission mission Log and, uh, you know, uh, morals, meanings and messages. That's what I was looking for in my podcast that I listen to. And I think that's what I got out of the shows I watch because, um, you know, what they say is Star Trek Bible, same thing. 
when I watched Star Trek growing up and Quantum Leap growing up, I learned morality from that. I learned right and wrong. I learned how to treat people. I, I learned how to be a decent human being. I learned to try to see uh, life through the eyes and in the shoes of another person, you know. So before I would judge somebody or think that somebody that's different from me is bad because they're different, I would try to almost take a cue from, you know, uh, Deborah Pratt and um, D- uh, Don Belisario's writing, Tommy Thompson's writing, the great writers, and uh, put myself in those shoes like I leaped into them. Okay, why are they in this situation? Why are they treating me like this? Is there something I can do to find a connection to people? So when I did this podcast, I, you take all the things that I already talked about, I was like, I really don't know anything about domestic abuse because I, you know, grew up in a happy, loving family and my parents were both kind and they treated each other with respect. They were kind to me. They treated myself great. And I never had experienced that. But watching that episode of Quantum Leap, you know, I understood that that happens to a lot of people and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So I thought, you know, why don't I just find out about it and research about it and then I thought, well, it's a it's a podcast, an audio podcast. Why don't I talk to somebody about it so I learn about it? So just my interest in wanting to know more about it, it just worked out. And I contacted, I think, the National Organization for Women or something. I'm not sure. This was uh, 10 years ago, probably. How long ago was that? But anyway... Yeah, it was it was a while ago, maybe five years ago. It has to be more than yeah. That. You know, you're right. You're probably right. But uh, I contacted the person that was you know talking to media and stuff like that about issues, and I was just you know, could I talk to you on the show about it? And she was like, sure. And it was just great. And I was like, man, I should do this with like every topic and every person because I just learned so much. And like I was off to the races. And once the like guest stars started coming on, and then writers and producers and you know, fast forward uh, a couple years and I'm sitting in my uh, home office and, you know, I, I get a phone call, prearranged and everything. So it wasn't a surprise, but I get a phone call and it's like, hi, this is Scott Bakula. Is this Elby? I was like, yes, Mr. Bakula, <laughs> this is Elby. How you doing? And by the way, I, I scrolled back on my feed. That was eight years mm-hmm. ago. Eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Scott, and sorry, it, sorry, it was, I, I stole your Scott Bakula no thunder. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You can fix it in post. <laughs> fix it all in post. Sure. I'll do that. Um, yeah. And fact check me as you go, just okay. so you know, because that's what I do. That's half of my editing is, I know I said it and I know I think it, but is it true? So then I look it up and I either leave it in there or cut it, you know? So so after I hung up from Scott Bakula on that interview, because I think I'd already talked to Don and, and um, um, Deborah and different people. But after I hung up from Scott, I'm like, I think I'm done podcasting. <laughs> like, it doesn't get better <laughs> than talking to Scott Bakula, you know, uh, Sam Beckett and Captain Archer. I don't know what to do from here. But uh, I kept going for a while after that. But uh, it was amazing. Like, if you just try to do something, it's like, have you ever seen that meme with Snoop Dogg, how he's, like, cooking with Martha Stewart and in the ring with Hulk Hogan and, like, getting a getting a college degree ceremony? Or, and it just says, you know, he figured out the game and he's just doing side missions now. And I think that's true in life if you try to do anything and if you're committed. Because, I mean, 10,000 hours is probably... Uh, minimizing the amount of work we put into this thing. But um, if you just keep trying and keep asking people for help and keep working on it, it just it just happens, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. I think it was Henry Ford who said, the man who says he can and the man who says he can't are both right. So Exactly, exactly. You were the person who said they could, and so you did. And 
one thing that, that you said was just, you just started calling people. And this mm -hmm. is a trick that I learned when I was in journalism school. People like to talk about themselves. Never e feel example like- Example right here. Yeah. Yep. There you go. That's why I did this <laughs> because I knew. But um, my point is that instead of being intimidated by the prospect of talking to someone like a Scott Bakula, Scott Bakula is just a guy. Yeah, that's and true. And you're offering him a chance to tell you why, you know, he does what he does and how he feels about what he does. And most people, they, they want to, you know, explore that and let other people know where they're coming from and where they're at. And mm -hmm. I, I think you hit upon that early in the podcast to your benefit because you had such an amazing run of guest interviews. It was phenomenal. That's the one thing I miss out of the modern incarnation of the Quantum Leap podcast is less interviews. But I understand it, the process is so arduous and it takes so much time. Plus, getting the interviews is not easy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I felt like you guys had done so many interviews with so many guest stars that um, once we took over, even though, um, you know, early on, I tried to carry that that flag for you. I tried to carry that torch and we did do quite a few interviews when we took over. But mm -hmm. but like you said, I, I feel like they've kind of fallen off and I don't know if that's me being lazy or just an evolution of the show because the show got very gimmicky in the fifth season. So there wasn't like a yeah. lot of morals, meanings, messages. And quite honestly, when we looked at the archives of what we had, we were getting to shows where you had repeat guests. Yeah. Which is odd for Quantum Leap, but you know, how many mm -hmm. times can we talk to Tommy Thompson? How many times can we talk right. to John D'Aquino? Well, me, I could talk to Tommy Thompson every day. I He's know, but guy. I mean on Mike, I think we've done like three interviews with Tommy <laughs> at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, And everybody's only got so many stories, so. That's true. And I'm just going to be honest with you as well. I enjoy talking to crew and creatives far more than talking to guest stars mm -hmm. because they give you much more of an insight into the workings of the show. For example, when we did uh, the Southern Comforts episode and we got to speak to Chris Rupenthal, he almost like guest hosted, kind of like we do with when Tommy comes on. Chris yeah. came on and he gave us not only the behind the scenes of sort of writing that episode and um, being a producer on the show, but how the episodes were put together, the whole process behind the scenes of how the sets were made and, you know, just getting into the really interesting stuff rather than speaking to, say, like a guest star that had that job for four days 25 years ago. And they're just going to say, working with Scott was so great. Oh, yeah, Dean was time. such a card. Oh, he was such a yep. pleasure to be about. Uh, mm -hmm. And while I, I think that's valuable too in its own right – and um, good to, to document everything you can for the fandom. I just find mm -hmm. speaking to the crew is much more satisfying as a fan to me. And um, I, maybe that's why like we now when we do do interviews, it's not so much guest stars anymore. Um, we're trying to get more of the behind the scenes people. Yeah, I, I think the guest stars seem to be more responsive to our questions, our, our, our feelers, emails, and uh, messages. Uh, one thing I regret is I never did get to talk to somebody in catering. And I always asked, we always had, we had two people, Hayden and Juan, that would get me interviews. 
And sometimes other people would like, uh, you know, but those were the two main people to get me interviews. And I always said, I want to talk to a caterer. I want to talk to the best boy. I want to talk to the grip. I want to talk to, you know, the director of photography. I want to talk to the editor. You finally got to talk to an editor, didn't you? No, not yet. We're going to have to, uh, hey, sneak peek, everyone. Oh, we do have an editor on the hook who's going to be doing an interview. Hearing from an editor, I think, is going to be wonderful because they get to tell you what it was like making the choices that they made to give the show its specific feel, its specific flavor. And that's really the nuts and bolts of why we love it. Not just that, you know, Jennifer Aniston was on uh, an episode mm. or something like that. That helps though. Yeah. I mean, that does help. Yeah. <laughs> Brooke Shields, Brooke Shields. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe those are some bad examples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brooke Shields turned me down in real life. Uh, that, at least I have that. Yeah. You know, I tried to reach out to Brooke too when we did- um, <laughs> Did you actually get through? Because I just sent an email. and No, never... her people told me no. Okay. I didn't, uh, I, you know, maybe her people told me no as well. I sent a yeah. nice long email out saying we'd love to talk oh, to her nice. about um, uh, Leaping of the Shrew. The one I kept trying for was Dr. Ruth. And uh, I kept getting, uh, we're going to try to get it worked out. We're going to try to get the schedule worked out. We're going to try to get it worked out. But it never, never worked out. Uh, she would have been a card. I love I love her in that episode. I don't like the episode that much, but Dr. Ruth is a delight. Yeah, but hey, you know, what other reason to call up Dr. Ruth and Dr. Ruth, you know? For sure. So, yeah, this is great, guys. Um, as you can tell, Albie and I go way back, and just getting into the weeds mm -hmm. about this stuff is something that we just love. So, bear with us. <laughs> it's sort of the self-indulgence oh, yeah. hour, but it's also why I wanted to have you on, Albie, to talk about this, because the passion you bring is really top level, and it showed when you created the podcast. So I think that's what attracted me to want to contribute to it because I felt like you had set a high bar and I wanted to be a part of it. What I lacked in ability, I made up for in enthusiasm. Yeah, but I mean, you had the ability too. So don't sell yourself short. That coming from someone like yourself and the background you had in media, uh, it really makes me feel good that you heard the show that I was making at the time and you thought that it was a uh, high enough quality that you wanted to help out and be part of it. Or did you think I could fix this? <laughs> no, no, no. I just wanted to talk about my radios and you gave me, you were the only insane person that gave me a forum to talk about radios on quantum leap. The, yeah. What is the deal with no more radio sightings on the quantum leap podcast? That was uh, always my favorite part. <laughs> and you know, I picked up on your hobby from listening to radio sightings. So I have all these old radios around my house now. Uh, yeah, well, good. See, um, somebody's got to keep these things off of the rubbish heaps. But um, mm -hmm. if not me, then you. The reason the radio settings went away, and maybe we maybe get into the transition as to sure. um, like the show had been moribund for a little while. You had gotten uh, other things going on in your life. You were working. You were just, you know. and We can talk about all that if you want to. I can say it in nice ways. Well, it's up to you. I don't want to, op you know, I don't open open up a can of worms because I know that was a bad time for you. Yeah, but uh, it's okay. It's good to talk about the bad times too, when especially when I'm on the other side of them. All right. So eventually, um, the show's frequency started dropping off because you were having some personal issues that put the podcast on hiatus. And as a contributor, I really missed it. And I know that it was. When Allison found the negatives for uh, the lost ending of Mirror Image, that's when I said, we got to do something, right? We have to mm -hmm. do something. And, you know, you, you gave me the go-ahead to just do a show about it. And once I got on mic with Allison, 
I knew. You know, mm. I said this like is like you know about a good melon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I just the way that she and I played off of each other, it just felt natural. It felt easy. Like I knew that if I was going to have any kind of thought of maybe doing the Quantum Leap podcast because I missed podcasting. I was I had been doing uh thanks to you 112263. You'd recruited me and Skip to do that and then Skip and My I were doing My favorite podcast to date. Ah, uh, no, the Quantum Leap podcast should be, but mm. 1122 we had a lot of fun with and then we did Castle Rock and uh then Skip had to bail on me because he was just too busy. So Castle Rock came to an abrupt end and I discovered, wait a minute, I love podcasting and I don't have a podcast anymore. What am I going to do? So, I mean, I had somewhat of an ulterior motive suggesting that I do that special with Allison, but like I said, once I got on mic with her, I said I think I could maybe host the show and um you seem to agree and here we are. But one thing that I don't do that you did is all the planning. And I used to plan a lot more for 112263. Well, we had a ton of interviews on that. Um, planned as much as we could for interviews with Castle Rock, and Skip was pretty instrumental in getting a lot because he knew people in, you know, in LA. When I started working on this podcast, for the first time, it felt natural and fun. It wasn't like I was trying to put on a show. I was just talking to someone who I jived with. And then it was Matt that really, I think, cemented the deal. The three of us together, I just felt had such a good dynamic that I wanted to just relax and sort of, I, I don't want to say breeze through it, but I didn't want to turn it into, okay, now I, I have to feel obligated to find the message in this Marilyn Monroe episode and then call... um an expert to talk to us about depression for <laughs> half an hour. It's like, You're right. No, I just want to make fun of the Maryland stuff. You yeah, know? <laughs> which is which is which is totally valid too, and probably much more enjoyable. So you know, I, I love what you've done with the show since I handed it off to you. I really do, genuinely. I appreciate you doing that, but uh, yeah, I just feel like sometimes, like, wow, Albie would have done this so differently than we're doing this now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, you yeah, know. Anyone would do it differently. But in you, I saw the person that could do it, uh, that I was confident enough to hand it over. I know it's a silly podcast, but, I mean, uh, the thousands of listeners we had, you know, all put in the 80 hours of listening so far, including yourself, you know. Uh, so I didn't want to just, like, hand it off to a couple of morning zoo guys that were going to just not respect the property or not understand it or, or, you know, just make a mockery of what it done. And, um, like you said, I, I was going through a different, difficult, uh, time in many ways. Uh, and when the show wasn't coming out shortly after, I think it was the Halloween episode. That's why, uh, us producers in the back of, uh, QLP talk about, um, uh, we, we never say that word just like the Scottish play. It's basically the same thing. But after that happened, um, well, when I conceived the podcast, you know, I thought, you know, it's great. My uh, podcasting partner is going to be my wife, so I don't have to worry about them bailing on me. I never thought, uh, what if my wife bails on me? <laughs> you <laughs> I don't know? mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing bad against her. Sometimes you know, people fall out of love, and she fell out of love with me, and I didn't fall out of love with her. 
Uh, so it took a while for me to adjust to the situation. But uh, at the time when the episodes kept getting spaced further and further apart, it was because I really didn't want to, you know, we were going through a breakup and it was very difficult for me because, you know, we're married, had had the most wonderful daughter in the world. And um, I still wanted to do the show with her. And every time we talked about it, she still wanted to do the show. So I didn't want to do the show without her because she still wanted to do it. But she never did do the show again. I think we did it a couple times. And uh, I think the last time we recorded was um, a rebel without a clue. Mm. And it, I don't know if you listened to the raw version of that or if I edited it myself, but basically I was blamed for all the bad things that any bad person ever did in the world ever during that podcast. <laughs> yeah. You, you sent that show to me to, to proof before <laughs> oh, it was I? released. And oh. there were some there were some awkward silences that went on for <laughs> so long. I I I think I I said, dude, you 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 got to cut yeah. this a little bit closer together yeah. because you can just you could you could hear the estrangement in what wasn't being said, a hundred percent as much as what was being said. And we we tried to fix it up as much as possible between you, me, and I think was Juan helping out at the time. I'm not sure, but uh, it got to the point where it wasn't making good content for the listeners. So at that point I called it and I said, you know, this podcasting team doesn't have the magic that it once had, because if I I still sometimes go back and listen to the original shows uh, here and there. And uh, because I have no ill will towards uh, my uh, ex podcasting partner, but um, the chemistry was there and the, you know, the conversation was there and the enjoyment of listening to each other's opinions was there. But with that last episode we did, it was just, you know, we we're just going through the motions basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which is understandable. I, I, you know, looking back on it, how, during that time, how would anybody do a good show? So, but I didn't want to continue the show without her and me doing it. Cause I, I would feel like it would feel like I'm kicking her off. Because at the time, I was keeping everything very close to the uh, vest about it. And I didn't want to, because, you know, I had negative thoughts, emotions, and things that I didn't want to say. Because, you know, everybody has their own perspective of things that happen. So, and we all only see our perspective in those times of trauma and trouble and bad things happening. And it's not until after, you know, I'm out of that situation that I can look back and view it more objectively. So I didn't want to put any of that on any of the listeners or any of the podcasting team because I think we had like, what, 13 people working on the show at the time? Yeah, you had an insane amount of people working on the show. Yeah, and uh, we still have the private uh, Facebook uh, group uh, where we all get together and anytime we need somebody to do something, usually somebody volunteers for it. But I didn't want it looked upon as like I kicked her off the show because that was not what happened at all. You know, it was just, we didn't work together anymore professionally or personally. So I didn't know what to do. And, and at the time I was struggling a lot with, uh, dealing with the sense of loss from the loss of the relationship and loss of family. And, uh, I give major credit to you. I mean, you, 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 you wrote an email to help out with a podcast and you ended up being my, uh, emotional support counselor after a couple of years. Well, I mean, that's because we're just friends now. I mean, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, yeah. so it's but it's it, you know, I do that for for you're my friend. I'll be there for you. You know, I really appreciate that, and I feel the same way about you. You know more about this whole situation and my life for the last ten years than anybody else I know. 
because I can speak openly and freely and honestly with you about all these things. And um, it's, it's, it was a struggle. And I got to the point where uh, I was on antidepressants that were causing uh, uh, suicidal thoughts, which is one of the side effects, you know, and you see them in the commercials, but you're like, yeah, who would take that? But at the time I had situational depression and uh, I thought maybe that would help. You know, it didn't. It just made me want to kill myself, which isn't me. Because I'm not suicidal at all because I love life. I love my daughter. I love living. I love fun stuff. I love watching Star Trek, you know? Yeah. But in those down times, I, uh, you were the person I called. And you would be on the phone with me for hours on end. And it, it, literally, if it wasn't for you, I don't know, life might have been different. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll mention that to you and just thank you again. Because uh, on the other side of all that trouble that I had, I enjoy life again. I enjoy what's going on. I enjoy everything that's happening in my life. I enjoy fun, silly things like watching Star Trek and collecting laser discs. And I enjoy the time I have with my daughter. So if I didn't have someone to have hold me and have my back during those times, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I just, I want to say that I greatly appreciate it. Oh, well, wow. Okay. You know, all of that was just so that we could be here at this moment right now doing the premiere episode of Oh Boy. That's the way the universe oh, works. Oh boy. <laughs> No, not to make light of that. Yeah, I'm looking in the mirror right now, and I don't look anything like myself, so I must have leaped in. But uh, yeah, 1122, you mentioned that. Uh, that podcast, I still wanted to create. I still wanted to make podcasts, so I I wanted to make content just for the fun of it. So uh, when you and the other hosts, uh, Skip, uh, got together, and like I heard that, and the idea was percolating for that 1122 podcast, and it just all synced up, and you guys were the best together. Hashtag Skiptifer. But I, I really put my, but you, you worked a lot on it, Skip worked a lot on it, I worked a lot on it, and Juan uh, worked a lot on it, and it took all four of us working so much to make that show the quality it is, but if you listen to that, poor Juan, you can put that up against any podcast on that's ever been, you know. And it's it's right up there. Yeah, I think because of 112263 and how long it was and how much work it wound up being, Juan still hates me to this day. <laughs> Juan still <laughs> hates me. And he'll he'll invite me he'll invite me to Colorado when I went a couple times, stayed at his house for a week, and I still feel he hates me. But he's like, No, buddy, I love you, but I still feel he hates me. But it was it was a it was a stressful time because we were trying to be first before the other podcast, because at you know at this time there's maybe three other eleven twenty two sixty three podcasts, yeah. but we were always first, and ours came out maybe twelve hours after uh, the episode dropped, and we had put forty hours work in that episode, so you know do the math. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing that we had, yeah, behind the scenes is we got access, advance access to all the episodes, so we were able to put the right. show in the can a week early or whatever. But even with that advantage, just the sheer volume of content, you know, we were still mm. right up against it. It was it was a crazy amount of work. Yeah, because as soon as you guys would stop recording, you would send me and Juan the files and I'd be like, okay, you got the first hour. I got the next hour because at first it was, okay, you get this episode. I get this episode and they were an hour max. And then you you, you took a, a page out of my book. And yeah, you, I know. You were doing the uh, you can go fuck yourself lines <laughs> of episodes. <laughs> and Juan, every week, Juan would be like, dude, they're getting longer and longer. I can't do this. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to them. But I, I don't think I ever talked to you about it. I was just like. You never know. You never did. No, I just love the length. I love the length. So we just kept working more and more. But 
it's a great piece of content. Yeah, and that's actually the show that taught me to edit. I mean, I've been editing my whole career, like audio editing, but it was a lot, a lot of reel-to-reel stuff, and that's how old I am. I was still doing reel-to-reel stuff in journalism school and nice. straight cutting, you know, and splicing tape together. Journalism school. Look, of course you got the job as showrunner of the Quantum Leap podcast. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, but um, just because you guys needed the help on 1122, you had asked me to give it a shot. Um, because like anything, you have to audition to edit. I mean, editing is an art and mm. you can do a really shitty job and make a show, a good show sound really bad. Right. Or you can make a really bad show sound pretty okay. Yeah. So, but I wanted to, you know, make it as best as I possibly could. So to this day, you know, I'm grateful to you for, for giving me that opportunity because I feel like editing now is, it's, uh, it's like the bear. It's just like, Oh, how, how much do I have to, but then once you're into it, it, yeah. it, it gets to be a lot of fun because you can, you can tweak things and you can give things nuance. And, you know, um, I credit cutting my teeth on 112263 and that taught me what works and sort of what doesn't work and, and what to do. And then from there, I never looked back. I mean, I did Castle Rock and now I'm doing uh, QLP. So, and, uh, maybe we should get, should we get back to Quantum Leap, do you think? Or in a minute, in a minute, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> um, uh, I've, I've found that the anxiety of editing is worse than the actual editing. Yeah. Like you were saying. Uh, but once I'm into editing, I enjoy it. Even the ones that I do for a living on subjects that I have no interest in, I still enjoy it because I feel it's an art form. That's why I made uh, my website reductivearts.com. It's like sculpting. It's like taking a block of marble and then cutting away all the bad parts and revealing the beauty. So, mm. so what you do and what I do is I feel as an art form. You know, it's funny. Or you have to tell me if this is common or maybe okay. it's just because it's the third track. But when I was editing um, CRTV, it was just two tracks, me and Skip, and I would get 20 minutes done in an hour. Yeah, that's right. Now with the three tracks, me, Matt, and Allison, I usually get about 10 minutes done in an hour. So I know that if we have like an hour 30 show – that's minimum eight hours of editing that I'm going to have to be doing. And that doesn't yeah. count doing the mashup and doing the the assembly and doing all of the technical stuff to make it all sound good. And, I and mean, the exporting so, and the uploading yeah, and the tagging yeah. and everything. Yeah. In the business, uh, we have at least the, the section I work in, we have two different versions and they're standard edit and premium edit. Standard edit, you're just taking out the dogs barking, the coughing, when people start over – uh, you know, a cell phone buzz or a bleep or a bloop. Somebody didn't turn their sounds off. And that's usually about twice as long as the audio is. So if you got an hour podcast, it takes about two hours. Sometimes you can do it an hour and a half, depending on how bad it is. And then there's premium editing, which is what we do for the Quantum Leap podcast. And we, we silence all the tracks of the people that aren't speaking. We cut out most of the ums, ahs, any weird sounds, uh, stomach growls, uh, you know, uh, and, and we make it sound as best as we can, kind of like, you know, NPR quality, which, uh, now that I listen to that, I'm like, we're better than that. They don't spend too much time on that, but it takes, if, if you have an hour to edit and you're doing it, uh, the way we do it, that's four hours. If it's like two tracks. So every time you add a track, add another hour or two, because you're dealing with so many things and you got to think of it. You're not ar- editing one hour. You're editing four hours at the same time. True. But it's worth it. I think. Well, people seem to like the end result, so. Hopefully. 
So, hey, welcome to the On Editing Podcast <laughs> with Albie and Chris. <laughs> Everything you <sighs> didn't want to know about editing, and please don't tune out. I promise we'll get back to Quantum Leap. <laughs> That's what time time markers are for. <laughs> Just just title that, skip this part. Yeah, that's another thing I used to do is copious show notes with time codes. Don't do that anymore. No. It's just... We tried everything and, you know, but some things it's just, you know, you can't live your life if you have it perfect. It, art is never finished. It's only abandoned. Yeah, true. And at some point we have to say, okay, it's time to get the show out. Me, I was spending a month on each show at one point. No, I just have to get it out and discussed half the time, you know. Yeah. After having listened to it like four times a course of editing yeah. and proofing and everything, you just lose all perspective and you just say, I hope it, I hope it's good. I it's hope always they like on it. point. It's always on point. Like every time I listen to it, I'm very impressed because I have a critical ear now. So even when I'm watching TV or listening to something, anything, other people's podcasts, especially I like my hands go to move to like fix the edit, like out of habit, like, oh, they left that in. I got, mm. you know, but uh, just for enjoyment, but yours is spot on. Like, it's great. You're very talented. Ah, thank you. I was fishing for these compliments, and finally, <laughs> you delivered them. Who reeled you right in, sucker? <laughs> so let me get back to Quantum Leap yes. because I love Quantum Leap. By the way, the passion for Quantum Leap is what keeps me interested in making the show and doing the edits and and all that. But for a show that did so many things so well, was there something you wish Quantum Leap had done better, or you know, aspects of it that you wish they had explored more? Ooh, nothing story-wise. I think the writing was brilliant. Those stories, as I watch the episodes over and over again, I appreciate them more each time. There's some things I bump into here and there. The the special effects limitations they had at the time sometimes pull me out of the story when something's a little too pixely or not composited well or just done quickly or cheaply in the later seasons, maybe. A lot of my concerns got... Um, fixed when the Blu-rays came out. Those I thought were pretty beautiful. But the writing, the acting, the music, of course, the music replacement was horrible, but they fixed that now. Story-wise, the only thing I really would have wanted... Uh, see, I even liked the final season with the campy premises. You know, I didn't mind. You know, that's the same as uh, that's the same vein as, you know, Marvin Barry, you know. <laughs> and back to the future you know it's just fun because oh yeah that's history that i kind of remember you know yeah and yeah. you know michael jackson in the bathroom well that didn't sound right uh cut that part <laughs> <laughs> yet there it is but but you know what i'm saying yet it's part of our history <laughs> it's not a perfect show but it's as close to perfect as a show that was made for me i think that's a nice way to put it yeah, I mean, but there's nothing that upsets me about it. I don't have a least favorite episode. Uh, see, now you just you just jumped the gun. Sorry. So here, here we go. Favorite episode and why? Uh, favorite episode changes a lot, but my go-to answer usually when I'm asked on the street, when people go, oh, I recognize your voice. Are you from the Quantum Leap podcast? I go, yes, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> my favorite episode probably is JFK parts one and two. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I guess so. What is the, the name of that one? Lee Harvey Oswald, right? What's it Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Going back. So I, I tell people Lee Harvey Oswald, parts one and two. Was it a two-parter? It was a two-parter for syndication. Oh, yeah. It was a double episode movie, TV movie. 
So the the longer episode, Lee Harvey Oswald, is my go-to answer just because, and as if you've listened to my interview with uh, Donald P. Belisario, uh, I am a huge fan of that ending. It blew my mind when I was a kid, and it still blows my mind now. And it's, it's something that can be done in writing that, to that point, I had never experienced yet when it came to time travel stories. So from that, I got way into the... Kennedy assassination, um, conspiracy theories and different things. I guess that's how when you're first learning about JFK, that's that's the like the gateway to get into it is learning about the conspiracy theories. And it's one of those things like uh, the more you learn about it, the more you realize it's not a conspiracy and it was just a sad day. But um, I love that story and um, I thought it was unique. Um, One of my other favorites is, of course, The Leap Home. I cry every time without exception. Part one. Part two is okay. But uh, MIA, of course, you know, you know, I, I guess I'm every Quantum Leap fan pretty much. You know, I like the big ones. And uh, of course, uh, the final episode is is amazing. But like, I didn't feel that way until probably halfway through my Quantum Leap fandom. And I appreciate it more and more every time. All right. I'm going to hold you to this. You have to answer yeah. this question. Worst episode and why? And don't tell me there isn't one because there's got to be one that comes in the rotation and you say, fuck, not this episode. I'm trying to think. Um... Like, like, I know, like people say, Blood Moon or uh, uh, what? How how is it? The uh, Emotep? What is that episode called? The Curse of Tahotep. The Curse of Tahotep. The only bad thing about that episode is I didn't know how to pronounce Tahotep for most of my life. <laughs> but like the cheesy ones, the bad ones, I find them interesting. Like I don't skip them and I enjoy them. I'm trying to think one I don't like. Was there one that I didn't like on the podcast that you heard me say? Because I might have forgotten. No, because you're Mr. Diplomatic whenever you get on mic. I love it. It's great. Well, it was genuine. It, w- it was genuine. I think that was tattooed on your forearm. <laughs> and you would just look down and read it like crib notes. I love it. It's great. No, tattooed on my forearm is my one regret. It's uh, <laughs> the a tattoo I got to try to enter that contest. So it says hashtag skip <laughs> Like at the time, it was like everything, and now it's just no, no more Skiptifer. Yeah, no, it's gone. So I might get it removed at some point, but I think it makes me look badass. There you go. And look at you avoiding the question. I'm trying to honestly think. Like even the baseball part of the episode, I'm not a sports fan, but hmm, maybe the football episode? What was that one called? All-Americans. All-Americans. Just because I don't like football, I'm morally against it. Okay. Um, so like that's kind of rubs me the wrong way. So there's an answer. But I like that it's kind of like La Bamba. True. And they mentioned Menudo. Yeah. So maybe that one, if I had to say, just because I don't like football. Philosophical differences. Yeah. Well, a moral objection to football. Now you got to ask me what my moral objection to football is. <laughs> that's for another time. It's based on war and violence. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. So. It's it's training our youth to be uh, separatists and and um, and nationalists and want to grow up to kill people and get killed. And I just I'm not for that. Okay. See, if you go into a, a room where people are learning how to paint and ask them to kill people, they're not going to jump up and say, "Yeah, let's kill people." But if you go into a football locker room after years of us versus them, they're more likely to do it. I think so. So take that, all Americans. You heard it from Albert Burge. But still a good story that's buried in there, but the background of uh, the football. Gotcha. And gambling. Yeah. And throwing the game. All right. I'm coming to a part of the show where I think I want to incorporate this as um, a regular segment on Oh Boy. 
We're going to call it the accelerator chamber where we test your quantum leap knowledge. Ooh. Albert Burge, I'm going to ask you 10 questions about quantum leap. Your topic on this episode of Accelerator Chamber is guest stars. I got many of these online from the Fun Trivia website, and I came up with a few myself. But I'm going to ask you about a guest star in a specific episode. You have to tell me who that guest star is. We have 10 of these. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. I will do my best. Okay. Which Third Rock from the Sun star guest starred in the episode Permanent Wave? Joseph Gordon Lovett. Ding, ding, ding. Which Beverly Hills 90210 actor appeared in Kamikaze Kid? Jason Priestley? Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Which Desperate Housewives star guest starred in Starcrossed? Ooh, I love her. Um, she was one of the first women to turn me down. Um, uh, you can see her, can't you? Yeah, I can see her in a Starfleet uniform, actually. And they're real, and they're spectacular. <laughs> uh, you know who I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, we all do, but you have to say the answer. Uh, 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 moving on. Moving on. Who is it? It's Terry Hatcher. That's it. I knew you could see her in your mind's eye. Yes. Which friend star guest starred in the episode Nowhere to Run? Jennifer Aniston. It's kind of cheating, I Yep, I gave this one to you earlier, right? So, which Wings star guest starred in the episode Stand Up? Ooh. Uh, it's not Tony Schlub. <laughs> um, is it the guy from the TV version of The Shining? No, but uh, they did wind up dating on Wings. Um, it's a female. Oh, a female. Oh, the blonde from that show? No, that's Crystal Bernard. Okay. I watched Wings only once through, and I, I don't I don't know the names. I'm sorry. Amy Asbeck. Okay. That one I did not get legit. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not even keeping track. I think you were too wrong so far. <sighs> Terry Hatcher doesn't count? Well, you couldn't come up with her. Okay. Well... Some things came up, just not her name. Which <laughs> ER star guest starred in the episode of Song for the Soul? Mm. <laughs> also, I'm going to give you a hint. Just let your soul glow. <sighs> Man, pass. If I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't do an episode on the show, I didn't learn all about him and talk to him or anything. So I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Eric LaSalle. Ah, yes. All right. I think you'll get this one. Which Matlock star guest starred in the episode Miss Deep South? Oh, yes. I interviewed her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there went my excuse if I if I did the show. Um, Man, I guess I'm not good with names. A good time to find out, right, Mr. Uh, D. Philippus? Uh, Nancy Stafford. Yes. Yes. Okay. Multiple choice, I could do it. Multiple choice. Multiple choice. Yeah, no, see, I was I was thinking about that, but I figured a lot of these are gimmies. Yeah. Yeah. Which Northern Exposer actress guest starred in the episode Catch a Falling Star? Wow. I interviewed her too, didn't I? No. I don't think so. No, no that was from the Halloween episode. Uh, uh, pass. 
I'm failing miserably. Janine Turner, she played Maggie on Northern Exposure. Okay, I'm, I'm still on season one. I got all the DVDs, but I'm still on season one. Well, I mean, she was right there in the first episode. Mm. Yeah, I don't know the names yet. Joel thought she was a prostitute, but she mm. turned out to be his pilot. Yes, I do remember that. Yes. Uh, which Voyager star guest starred in the episode Good Night, Dear Heart? Robert Duncan McNeil. There you go. And which We Got It Made star guest starred in the episode Right Hand of God? Mm. I'm going to say Terry Coplay. Yes, ding, 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 ding. The only reason I really remember that is because she was streaking in the episode. So uh, for a gentleman like myself that appreciates the female form, that's difficult to forget. So you you got five out of ten. Not so good. But we have some bonus questions. You can redeem yourself now. Okay. Do I do I bet it all? Do I risk it all for this final question? Why not? How did I get Terry Coplay, but not Terry Hatcher? I don't know, sir. Two Terrys. I, I just realized that we had two Terrys on this. What, what, what are the odds? The bonus question is, of the shows that I mentioned, which of these shows did Scott himself guest star on? Hint, there were two of them. Gung-ho. <laughs> and... <laughs> And designing women—that's my—that's my two guesses. No, I'm sorry, you wrong. Mentioned. I can't remember what you just mentioned. <laughs> too close for comfort, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry, you lose it all, sir. Oh, could you imagine? Like I was like, well, if if Jeopardy had only Quantum Leap questions, I would do great. Apparently not. Um, and I tried to give like like guest stars I thought would be a softball, but anyway, um, yeah, ones that I've spoke to in in person on the phone, I didn't remember their names. Now I'm disappointed in myself. And it was eight years ago. So I got five out of five if you edit it right. Yeah, you got five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> but the two shows that Scott guested on that I mentioned were Desperate Housewives. He appeared as Trip oh, Weston yeah. in five episodes. I did watch those. And Scott was on Matlock as Jed Palmer for two episodes, according to IMDb anyway. I don't know. I haven't seen any of this crap. You know, I haven't seen him on Matlock that I remember, but I remember when I talked to the woman from Matlock that she mentioned he was on the show. And I thought that that might have given you an in. Yeah, no. I guess uh, too many years my brain's been working. Well, this is why you're a good Quantum Leap podcaster, because you don't know everything chapter and verse. You can have a conversation instead of just dictating the the details. Thank you for that spin on that. Yeah, no, I think that's very important. I think that if you're just going to be there and be like a a trivia machine mm -hmm. quoting, you know, minutia from every episode, then it can become very tedious unless you're somebody who really is into that kind of stuff. Mm. So, and maybe this is me justifying the way that we do the podcast now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just very broad and talky, but. Well, you know, our, our podcast were three hours, but raw, there were probably six. So it was a lot of just talking. And then it was just about picking what was good for air and which was not. And a lot right. of it was like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's look this up. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I always sounded like a genius. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not an expert by any means. Just uh, I love it. I love Quantum Leap. Not an expert, but you know, I'm up there. Well, do you have any parting thoughts to share with your fellow Quantum Leap fans? Mm, I think uh, one thing I didn't get to talk about in the last episode that I wanted to was uh, which ending of Quantum Leap I prefer. Because sure. now that Allison Pregler has changed the history of Quantum Leap by giving us another ending, discovering it like a great archaeologist she is. I want to say that the ending of Quantum Leap that we have that they aired, except for the spelling error, 
I think was the right ending. I, I think if they went with the uh, lost footage ending, the ending with um, Dean and Susan uh, when they when they did that and that stuff, it's a great ending and it makes you feel good. Like maybe it's going to continue, but I don't think that was the right one to use. I think the ending they have now would have been better if they had included the the family photos of Al where you saw his daughters. Hmm. that probably is my favorite ending. But the lost ending, I'm glad they left it out. I'm glad they didn't do the space bar ending. You would have lost all that emotional gravitas. At the end, it would have just been like another campy, oh boy, you know? So I think if we could ever get the nice version of the uh, family pictures of Al, that would be nice. What's nice? How very nice. But uh, Quantum Leap, I loved it. I loved... Everybody that was involved with the podcast, uh, be it uh, on the fan side like we were or on the professional side with the actors and crew members and producers and writers, I loved meeting all those people. And to the letter, every single person that I've interacted with from Quantum Leap has been so gracious and kind with me. And a lot of them remain friends with me, which is crazy to think about it. And uh, it just Quantum Leap helped shape my who I am. And my outlook on life and my wanting to build a longer table instead of a higher wall. You know, I give a lot of that credit to Star Trek, but a lot of it is Quantum Leap. Those two shows in my formative years, they really had an influence on my morality. And uh, I just loved being a small part of it on the fan side and but you know that book that Matt wrote, it's always going to have my name in it. And it just that means something to me, you know. That is a beautiful sentiment, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Mr. Albert Burge, for taking this leap with us. Thank you so much, Christopher, for just being a great friend and the person I needed in my life at the time I needed him. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm touched. And thank you to all of you patrons listening. It's your support that enables us to keep the show going and inspires us to create all of this exclusive content for our Patreon fan community. If you want to be like the inimitable Mr. Albert Mark Burge and be featured on an upcoming episode of Oh Boy, you can do so by supporting us at the $10 Oh Boy level. Just go to patreon.com slash Podcast for details. And if you are already an Oh Boy member, rest assured, I will be calling you, and you will discuss your Quantum Leap fandom with me. Until then, I have been Christopher D. Philippus. And I have been Albie. Or I still am Albie. I'm Albie. It's, it's Albie. And we'll see you next time. Bye.